Wow. Hi, it's me again. Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. Come on. If you have a Bible or a device you can access the Bible on, I would encourage you to get it out. I got this one here. It's not mine, but it looks like it's been well-worn. Um, what's that thing? Someone with a well-worn Bible is not? Well, I don't know. Anyways, it's something about that. Use your Bible. That's the bottom line. Get your Bible out. Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 3 again. If you don't have a device or a Bible, we will have it up here. The projector's working this week. Hallelujah. It's the little things. Uh, <laughs> last week it wasn't working, and that was frustrating. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the Word of God. Man, it's been such a fun morning already. Just people talking to me about their knees being healed during the break. Come on. Jesus is on the move. Um, and apparently, yeah, yeah, the whole Dutch Hills thing, God's on the move there. Um, so I talked last week about something that may be one of the most important, uh, it's, it's dangerous to say that as a, as a speaker, but I, I think I'm pretty safe ground. One of the most important things, if you call yourself or you want to know what it means to be a Christian, is following Jesus actually following Jesus. Okay, so that's what we're talking about again today. We'll call it following Jesus part two. Um, and we're in such an interesting uh, season of history, just culturally. I talked a little bit about this last week, and I'm not going to recap it all, so um, feel free to go back, use technology, and hear, hear what we went after. Last. It's so funny, because last week I was like, oh, we'll be done early, <laughs> and then it turns into two weeks. Two weeks on the same message, so what do I know? But it's such an interesting cultural moment in that there are many, many who are actually so hungry to know Jesus um, because Jesus hasn't become as normalized in our culture, um, which means we have such a powerful opportunity to be living examples of him to the world around us. Doesn't that make sense to you? Um, he's no longer assumed uh, even in American culture, and especially younger generations. And so we have such an opportunity to represent Jesus. And so it's so important for us as those who call ourselves Christians, and I put that in quotes, uh, because there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians. The, the essential matter to Jesus would be not what do you call yourself, not how do you identify. It would be, are you following me? That, that's what Jesus would, would want to know. Not do you, did you download the correct, you know, um, you know, the correct belief system into your brain, but do you actually walk with me? Do you, do you live for me? Um, and that, that's what I want to call us all to today. Um, and when we understand the reality of following Jesus, we understand that it is not always the easiest way to live, but it is the best way to live. Um, Jesus calls to us and says, follow me. And our, our response is how we do the rest of our lives. Um, so as we get into the word, I'm just going to pray and we'll dive in. Father, again, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit's presence uh, in this place, in us and among us today. We ask that as we look to your word, you'd give us a spirit of revelation, God, that you'd come uh, with your word like a sword, a double-edged sword to divide out. Uh, soul and spirit, bones, marrow, take the things out that need to go and put in the things that need to be put in. But we just open ourselves to your word, your speaking, your revelation, and calling us to follow you. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. 
All right, so uh, we're in Mark chapter 3. Again, read this last week. Um, We're just going to read it again because it is where Jesus first called his disciples to follow him. And I believe the call today is the same. He calls each and every one of us to see if we will accept the invitation to follow him. Um, So we're going to start in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. If you have a Bible, open up there and we'll start again. If you don't, it'll be right up here on on the screen. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up to a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 of them that they might be with him and that they might, he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. See the call, the response. And then he appointed 12 that they would be with him, and they'd be sent out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. We're just going to stop there for now. Um, again, I unpacked much of this last week, but there, I want, what I want to look at again is there's a calling and a response. And, and I just want to ask you, maybe remind you, and I think for many of you have, but have you heard Jesus calling you? And if so, have you come to him? If you can say yes to that, good. There should be a response. There is a response needed. There is a drawing near to him, and there is a call to leave behind life without him. Again, it's not just a download of belief system. It's a way of life that says, I'm not living for me. I'm following you. And when you came to faith, that's what you said yes to. If no one told you that, I'm telling you now. Uh, there's a calling and there's a coming. It's not a show. It's not spectatorship. God, uh, Jesus called them to be with him, but not just so they can ooh and awe at the miracles, but so they could learn to be like him. It, it wasn't a show. It was come and be with me, and then you get to go be like me. And he was going to send them out to preach and to cast out demons because that's what he did. Okay, is this all making sense? Um, so, The call to us, if we call ourselves Christian, I prefer followers of Jesus, is to be with him, to follow him, and then to be like him in the way that we live. And that has a myriad of implications. And and again, I think I discovered looking at this is we could go on and on and on and on about this. It's no simple simple matter. It's so far-reaching and so deeply entrenching to our lives. But at the core of it, the one thing that I want to reemphasize that I talked about um, last time is that following Jesus is being with him. It's relationship with him. That is the most important piece, that we're making a choice that you are the most important person to me, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to do whatever you're doing. I'm going to listen to what you're saying and say it myself. Uh, I'm going to follow your leading and submit to your leadership as a friend. This is, this is normal Christian life, okay? Um, and for me, the, the, the idea, the reality of trying to follow Jesus, I say trying because we don't always get it perfectly right. No one has gotten it perfectly right. From the beginning of this story until this very day, those who claim to follow Jesus, we mess up all the time. The question is, are we trying to follow him? Are we, we seeking to live in relationship with him? 
Um, it is so incredibly important to me because this is, this is my story. And, and I'm not saying that because it's about me, but I want you to know, like, I'm trying to live this out myself. Like, I, my wife and I got married and we moved to Lansing because we were following Jesus. We felt like he spoke, this is where we were supposed to be. Like, the, this, the whole story is this. We came to Lansing, we started looking at churches, we landed this churches. Why? This church? Because we felt Jesus was leading us here. He spoke. We said, okay, Jesus. You know, um, I was offered and then took job, the job of a few years ago uh, to be the youth pastor here. That was a while ago because, not because it was what I wanted. Honestly, I didn't ever want to be, I never thought I wanted to be a youth pastor, but it was Jesus calling, so I followed. And I did it and actually loved it. It's amazing how that happens. There's, there's something you might want to draw on for your life when Jesus is calling, and you're like, I don't think I want to do that. Maybe just say yes. He knows what he's doing. All right, so I said yes to that, and then we started the House of Prayer East Lansing. It was the furnace at the time. Why? Because Jesus was calling. So I did that, um, lived uh, sort of a missionary life, leading the House of Prayer East Lansing, which still exists to this day, um, until one day when uh, this church was in transition, they said, we're looking for a pastor. How about you? I mean, there was a lot more to the story. Um, and again, if I'm honest, my first response was, no, I don't think I really want to do that. But guess what? Jesus was calling. And I said, yes. And I'm really glad. I don't know if that's your story, but if it is, just turn your no to yes. It always works out better that way. Um, and I share all that to you, to you because I believe in following Jesus. And I don't think it should just be my story. Your story should be the same. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, you should be able to say where you are and what you're doing in terms of Jesus led me here. Following Jesus brought me to this place. Now, you may not always have the thundering voice from heaven, but it should be your desire as you meet the crossroads of life, as you're walking through the challenges of life, that you seek Jesus. And you're like, lead me. And as you sense his leading, you go. And you may not feel like a big yes on the front end. You're like, I'm not sure I want to do that, but I want to follow Jesus. So though I feel like, no, I'm following Jesus, I say, yes, here I am. And so that should be your story. If you're in this place and you call yourself follow Jesus, does this make you sense? And if you're following Jesus and this is your story, then it changes the dynamic of how you live. Because you, you will have the opportunity as challenges come to reevaluate the grid that you're living from. When things get hard or you don't like how it's going, then you have to decide, did I decide this or was I following Jesus? And am I a follower of Jesus? And so if it's Jesus leading, then we follow Jesus. And we own our decision. This is what Jesus called me to. I know that his plan is better than mine. I know his ways are better than mine. And the Bible talks about his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. But the truth of the matter is, the reason we disagree sometimes with God's leading, God's plan, how he wants us to follow him, is because we just don't see what he sees. And we are measuring our grid by very short-sighted goals of what we think we want, of what we think we need. You know, but it's, it's also, I mean, yeah. We're usually running around seeking fulfillment to our short-time vision for our lives. And God has a very wise, overarching plan that includes lots of things that you can't see, lots of things that you don't know. 
and giving him permission to lead us will put us in the best possible hands. I'm surprised sometimes how I feel like I encounter people a lot of time who call themselves followers of Christ but haven't really given him permission to lead them, or so it seems. You know, they do what they want, they do what feels right, and they're not bad people. But I think to myself, what a burden. You know, because if I'm the one making all the decisions for my life, then I then have to be the one who provides for me. I have to be the one who figures out the challenges for me. And that just puts me in the place of being God, and I don't want to. It's just we're not made for that. Um, now, God will bless us when we're seeking to be faithful to him. Let's be fair. There's lots of people who have faith in Jesus, who would call themselves followers of Jesus, that may not be following his leading, and you look at them and are like, well, their life doesn't look so bad. That's probably not. Why? Because God's really good. But are they living the life that Jesus has called them to? That is the best life. Um, but I think living my life for myself is just exhausting. I think that's why Jesus had to say to, to the people, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Why were they weary and heavy laden? Because they hadn't learned of him. They haven't had the invitation to follow Jesus. He said, come and learn of me. Walk with me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because when you walk with Jesus, he gets to be Lord. He gets to be God. And he's responsible to bring forth the power and the provision that we don't have. And he promises that he will. There's no, there's no better life. You getting that? He knows me better than, he knows you better than you do. He knows what you need better than you do. And we can trust him to come through for every need we have. Every need we have. If we're following Jesus by faith, and admittedly sometimes getting it wrong, but if we're following Jesus by faith, first of all, that means I feel like this is what God wants me to do, so I'm going to take steps in this direction. Your steps may be the wrong steps, but you know what you did? You chose faith, and you know what the Bible says about faith is God loves faith. God's pleased by faith. He doesn't say, well, you didn't have the right faith. You didn't do exactly the right thing. He says, no, I love your faith. I'm going to bless your faith. He actually says he'll reward you for faith. That's a good place to be in. It's almost like by faith, in faith you can't fail. Do you get that? So to take steps by faith in Jesus, then he promises, then it's on him to keep up his end of the deal, to be the provider, to be the protector, to be the, power, the powerful one. And that means whatever my financial needs are, whatever my relational needs are, what even my emotional and physical needs are, you know who cares more about that than you do? Jesus. All of it. And more. Don't you care about, oh man, we're in good hands when we say that. The disciples said that, didn't they? They're in the boat, they're in a storm, all these things are happening, but Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And we back up, you know, 2,000 years later and uh, zoom out from the story and say, how would you ever accuse Jesus of not caring? He's Jesus. And yet, how many times in our little storms of life, when things don't seem to be going where we want, we don't see the solution. There's a storm, and it's not leaving. Jesus, don't you care? Of course he does. You know what the best part of the story is? He's in the boat. 
The waves are crashing. I don't know what to do. I don't see the answer. It doesn't look like this storm's going to stop. Stop. And remember, you're following Jesus. He's in the boat. He may be even taking a nap. He ain't worried. I didn't write the story. Now, I'm not saying we live carelessly or irresponsibly for our own choices. Um, But let's be great followers of Jesus. Because Jesus is never careless. He's never irresponsible. He's better than we think. He's more powerful than we know. He is all wise. Is this making sense? And yet his thoughts are higher than ours and his ways are higher than ours. He's got a much better perspective on things than we do. So we follow him. And then he invites us and encourages us to talk to him about the things we need, the things he already knows that we need. Not because he needs reminding, but because he wants us in the conversation. It's that simple. He wants to talk to us about what matters to us. He said, no, ask me for what you need. God already knows what you need. He's, and those are his very words I'm quoting him. God already knows what you need before you ask, but, but ask him anyways. Because he wants to be in that conversation because he knows what we need and, and he gives generously. But what we actually find in the conversation is the peace, the comfort, the insight, the wisdom we didn't have before about what's going on when we talk to him to help us to keep following. Is, it, is this making sense? He's calling us to follow him. He's calling you and me to follow him. And it starts with simply being with him. Again, I talked about this last week, but you can't overemphasize it. And this would be another one. And I'm not being judgmental because I have to encourage myself to follow Jesus every day. But I'm surprised, again, so many times when I talk to different people who call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus, but they don't actually take any time to be with him. Like, to, to be with him. Now, he's with you all the time, no matter what. Don't get me wrong. And he's not mad, like begrudging, well, you didn't talk to me today, so I can't bless you. He's not like that. But he calls us to him in the first place to be with him. And so if we can't take the time, can't find the time to be with him, we're missing out on the biggest reason he called us to be with him. There's nothing better than being with him. And I know we have many, many excuses Um, but the truth is when being with Jesus, taking time with Jesus, even a little bit, just a little bit of time every day, isn't a priority, I've noticed almost everything else gets out of whack. You ever had that experience? Now, you may not, you may really be busy. You may really feel like you don't have time. Well, I want to reflect to you words of great leaders of mine in my life. And when they told me this, I hated it. But I've seen it prove true in my life. Is that you have time for what you want to have time for. You do. You have time for what you want to have time for. And you have to be honest with yourself about that. What am I doing with my time? That was my choice. What I chose to do with my time, whether it's work, family life, home life, projects, I chose to use my time that way, and I can choose to use my time in ways that reflect what I actually want. So you have time. 
you have time to be with Jesus. Sometimes you have to find it. Sometimes you have to make it. But if you go to a job and you're in a car, 5, 10, 15 minutes, Jesus time. Start somewhere. Uh, if your home life is busy, heck, you got kids, you got grandkids, and whatever, get up 10, 15 minutes before the rest of the house does. Be with Jesus. You got a kid that naps, don't do the housework while they're napping. You know what I mean? Like, you can find a way to be with Jesus. It doesn't have to be hours upon hours. If you can do hours, God bless you. There are people called to that. But you can be with Jesus. You're made for him. There's nothing more important in your life than him. And then, throughout your day, find ways to make yourself aware of him. Just continue the conversation in your heart. Jesus, I need you right now. You don't have to say it out loud. It's right here. He hears it. And he will speak to you. You're, you're having a challenging situation in a relationship. You're having a challenging situation at work. You're, you feel distant from him. You can pause on the inside anywhere. He's everywhere. He's in your boat. Jesus, help remind me that you're here with me. Help me with this. Give me the insight I need. Give me the wisdom I need. And I want to tell you, it's so much easier to receive that than you think it is. He's so much more interested in giving you what you need than you are in even asking. Should I say that again? He's more interested in giving you what you need than you are in asking most of the time. Make yourself aware of him. Be with him, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, that's the most important thing I could tell you. Three things from last week. What does it look like to be a fisher of men? Uh, uh, sorry, to follow Jesus is that you'll be a fisher of men. You'll share God's love with people, and you'll pursue reconciliation, and you will choose humility. No explanation. Go listen to last week. Um, I want to add a few more phrases to that, though, that I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time unpacking again, because you could go a million different places with what it looks like to follow Jesus. I just want to remind you of a few if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to hit two, assuming I still have time, uh, after I give you this short list of what else it looks like when we're following him, when we're being with him, when we're going with him, is one that we learn to forgive. Um, and why do I say that? Because it comes first to my mind. What did Jesus do for me? He forgave. But I have in, on this slide are Jesus' words in red. <laughs> we, we learn when we follow him to forgive. Why? Because people don't know what they're doing most of the time. They're not really trying to hurt us most of the time. And even if people were literally wanting to kill Jesus, they didn't understand what they were doing. They didn't understand who they were putting on the cross. They did not understand. And Jesus' first response in even the worst egregious situation was, Father, forgive them. Following him is learning to forgive. I told you these would be quick. And, and, and here's what's going to happen. is There's going to be one or two things that the Lord is going to be speaking to you today and just grab those. I'm going to say about nine. Just grab the ones that the Holy Spirit's highlighting. Otherwise, this is overwhelming. Following Jesus will make you a generous giver. In every way, not just with your money, with your time, with your energy resources. Why? Because he is a generous giver. And he said, red letters, freely you have received, freely give. And that's true in every area of your life. You have freely received the kindness of God. You freely received provision for your needs. You freely received grace upon grace upon grace. And you know what you get to do? Freely give. Be a generous giver. That's what following Jesus looks like. Following Jesus also looks like um, I have several here. Oh, this is a tough one. Loving even a betrayer. And this one uh, has been blowing my mind as I'm meditating on it. And who we all think of immediately is, is Judas. 
Judas, in the story of the Gospels, blows my mind because although he was a betrayer, he was a pivotal piece in the redemption story. Have you ever thought of that? That God in his sovereignty put this one guy, and if you know the story, at the table, right? The, the Passover table. Jesus, on the night he was about to be betrayed, had dinner with his friends, about to be betrayed by this guy. And this guy was at the table. And, and Jesus says, hey, somebody here is going to betray me. And they're like, who is it? And they lean in, and John's, John's on his shoulder. Hey, Jesus, can you tell us who it is? He says, the one who I dip this bread in the bowl with, that's the one. And the thing you may not realize about that part of the story is that that was a, a quote of an Old Testament psalm. It was a prophesied promise there would be someone at the table with Jesus who would betray him. It was part of the prophetic history that Jesus began to walk into. And so Jesus quotes that psalm, the one with whom I dip the bread is the one, and it's Judas. And then he releases Judas to go do it. He says, go do what you need to do, Judas. This, blo- this blows my mind. You know, and it's hard for us to consider this, that, that there be people in our lives who wrong us, despitefully even use us, but they somehow are in the sovereign plan of God. But here's a man whose greed, it was greed, and probably other things, that led him to betray Jesus for the pieces of silver. And God in his sovereignty leveraged one man's wrongdoing to release redemption for the world. Doesn't that blow your mind? We don't know how God's going to use the people in our lives who have hurt us. They may even be at our table. They don't have to stay at our table forever. Jesus released Judas. But Judas was a part of his story. And there are people a part of our story that God's called into our lives who sometimes do bad things. And we get to follow Jesus by being like Jesus, loving that person, and trusting ourselves and them into the hands of God. Amen? So that's a quick list. What else does it look like to follow Jesus? This is one I want to dig in on. John chapter 13, if you want to turn there. Um, Again, it'll be up here. But following Jesus means washing feet. You guys know the story, right? Very famous. Sounds so God-like. Let's read uh, just a portion of it. John chapter 13, starting in verse 12 through 17. I will have it up here for you. I'm just going to read it. So when he had washed their feet, so he had washed the disciples' feet. It was the night he was going to be betrayed. They're in the upper room. They're about to have dinner. He had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again. Again, So this is post-washing feet. They did the feet washing. But this is how he explains it to them. Do you know what I've done for you? Jesus speaking, verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Again, following Jesus means acting like Jesus. Let's finish it up, though. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, catch this part, you are blessed if you do them. All right, stop there for the story. So 
Hopefully we know that Jesus in all of his life was setting an example, but in this instance specifically, with his most entrusted friend wanted to set an example of what it looks like to follow him is to serve, to take the lowest place. When I think of washing feet, I always put in there in my mind, what does it mean to wash feet? It means to do the thing that no one else wants to do. Because that's literally what happened in the room. There was no servant in the room, which normally when you come into the room in that culture, you'd come in and the servant, the lowest servant, by the way, there were probably multiple levels, the lowest of the low servant would wash your feet when you came into the house because they wore sandals and it was in the desert and there were animals and dung everywhere and those feet should not come in your house, right? Not in that situation. So the, the lowest of the low servant would wash your feet before you came in and before you reclined at the table, but because they didn't have the servant, somebody needed to do it. Nobody was doing it. So Jesus did. Washing feet, when you call it that, when you look at it as something as an ancient cultural tradition, can sound cool, but at the end of the day, it's not always cool. It doesn't always feel cool. It's usually doing things you don't want to do. Because when you actually think of it, like if you're washing these guys' feet and they've been walking around with sandals in the desert with camels and junk, there's a lot of crap on those feet. <laughs> Figuratively and literally. Um, and, and you're gonna, so if you decide to be like Jesus and become a servant-hearted one, you decide to take on positions of the lowest servant in, in whatever place you are. You don't need to wash feet today. We're wearing shoes. We're good. But there are things in life that, that nobody else wants to do. And Jesus says, you know what I would do? That. But when you do it, it's not as glamorous as it sounds because when you do it, you're going to encounter junk. You're going to encounter dirt, the dirt of the world that gets all over us. And sometimes our own crap gets on us. And we're going to encounter one another's dirt and crap when we learn to serve one another. No one wants to do that except Jesus. Why would we do it then? Well, we're followers of Jesus. But also, if you do these things, you are blessed. How many of you want a blessed life? Jesus promises a blessing. And there are, so there are a million ways this unfolds. So I'll just talk about in, in right here, you know, on a Sunday morning, in, in this kind of scenario, when we come into this place, there's a, a lot of different things that happen every week to, to make this happen. But I've seen or experienced a lot of these, these different things. So you decide you're going to serve on the greeter team. I'm, I'm going to serve Jesus by being on the greeter team. And so you come in, you have to be here early before everyone else, and you're in there and you're making coffee, and suddenly the coffee maker breaks or we're out of coffee, and then you, or you do your serving, you do your thing, you come here, you greet people, you make the coffee, you have to stay after then to clean up the coffee, and doesn't anybody realize what you've done to serve them today? Probably not. Or you're on the worship team, which I've done before, and you come here in the morning, and you, uh, you're you trying to get things together, but this mic isn't working, and that thing's out of place, and then you're having feedback, and the person who's leading the song isn't leading it the way you want it to be led, and you don't really actually like this song. And you didn't really get the sound right, but then it's time to start church, and we're going to lead worship. It's not so glamorous or cool. You know what I mean? We all have a chance. You know, you're like, I'll serve the kids when somebody has a diaper or somebody gets sick. Doesn't anybody see what I did today for Jesus? Jesus does. You know, you could work on the tech team and, you know, there's an endless amount of things that happen that we have no explanation for and it's frustrating. 
this is washing feet. It's a blessed life. Well, I thought if I followed Jesus, everything would be good and glamorous and glorious. And these are just things in church. I'm talking about what happens when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're at school, and you take those places. Here's what happens. Most of the time, you encounter junk you didn't want to, and most of the time, nobody recognizes you for what you did. And you have to remind yourself, why am I doing this? Because I'm following Jesus, and it's what Jesus would do. And you know what else that means, though? My reward is not you. It's not the money in my pocket. The reward I get at the end of the day is him. I get to be with him. And that's how he can unequivocally say, if you know this, if you do this, you're blessed. You'll be blessed. In fact, Jesus calls it greatness. He calls it great. The greatest thing you can do is sit on a throne and have a leadership. No. In Jesus' eyes, the greatest thing you can do is all the stuff where you encounter junk and dirt and frustration, and you do it with a willing spirit because you love Jesus. It's blessed life. It's the blessed life. All right, two more if we have time. We're almost there. Following Jesus looks like washing feet. Also, I just want to say that following Jesus is not just for a season. It's forever. I think sometimes we have stories where we remember we were really doing our best to follow Jesus. Maybe we're really on fire for Jesus. We were really serving him with all of our hearts. And then, you know, life happened, and I still love Jesus. I still say I'm a follower of Jesus. But at the end of the day, I'm just kind of living life now. And you know what? That just isn't what Jesus called us to. When Jesus called the disciples to himself, as we read in Mark 3, he called them up on the mountainside to be with him, to preach for him, to drive out devils, to be like him. It was a lifetime calling. They never were supposed to go back like, oh, we'll do the three-year internship, Jesus. And thanks for the teaching. Thanks for the diploma. I'm going to go live my life now. So, you know, for us, it's the same when Jesus calls us to himself. It's to forever leave behind life where we're not following him. It's forever live, leave behind life living for ourselves, and it's every day of our life from then forward is we are with him, whatever it looks like. And it's easy within our cultural constructs to think that, well, that's for the young people. They're zealous. They have the energy. They're going to walk with Jesus. But I was shook, actually. Um, I heard a statistic recently. I shared this with the elders um, Uh, I was listening to a podcast, yes, another one, Um, and uh, they were citing this um, study by the New England Journal of Medicine, I believe is what it was, and they were talking about different stages and phases of life, And um, and for whatever reason, they were trying to determine what is the most productive decade in most people's life, and some of you are going to be shocked. You go fight with them. I didn't make this up. They said the most productive decade in most people's life in our current cultural situation is from the years 60 to 70. You got happy about that, see? Just at the time when we think we're going to sit back, relax, and retire is actually your opportunity, even secular folks will tell you, to be the most productive for the kingdom because it's always a redemptive story. That's not what they said, but that's what I would say. Now that doesn't exclude anyone else. 
I think it goes uh, in strange order from there on. I think it's 50 to 60, then 70 to 80, and then I, I, I just, it was, it was mind-blowing, uh, the whole thing. And I was like, and I had to send it to our elders because most of them are in that, that age gauge. Uh, I'm like, hey, you don't, get to, <laughs> you don't get to quit. You don't get to quit. You get to follow, keep following Jesus. It's not, not just a season, it's forever. And, and there are times, too, when I think we... Um, we fall out maybe in our relationship with Jesus or we fall, let's just call it that, and we think, well, how do we move forward from here? Uh, Know that one of the greatest leaders the church has ever known, Peter, did the same. Just like Judas, in a sense, he was a betrayer too. And yet Jesus restored him. Jesus didn't disqualify him. Jesus came back to him and said, hey, Peter, how would you follow me? Are you going to follow me? Peter said yes. So you may think you fell. Maybe you messed up along the road of following Jesus. Jesus is a restorer, and he, the call to you today is the same as it ever was. Will you follow me? Follow me. Follow me. And the last one. Um, following Jesus means walking with those he chooses. Walking with those he chooses you. How many of you have watched any of the Chosen series? So good. Highly recommend uh, if you haven't. And I get no money from this plug. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite seasons from the whole, uh, not um, seasons, portions of an episode is, I think it's in season two, and all the disciples are sitting around this fire. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about? Um, and um, it gets heated. Um, you know, they all start like kind of pointing fingers at each other and um, really just expressing their heart because Jesus called them all to follow him, right? And they've been following him, but it's not always been easy and, and there's been a lot of tension, unspoken tension, and now they're on the fire and Jesus is off somewhere doing ministry and now they just start going at it with each other and I love the scene one because the acting in that scene is so good. Um, but what I love about it too, though, is the reality of it because what you have in the disciples sitting around this fire is people who did not choose each other they didn't choose each other jesus said hey will you follow me and that person was like me yeah and then he said to another person will you follow me and they said yeah and so we get this very motley crew of people who are from different backgrounds you know we've got you know lower class working fishermen we got a rich tax collector we got a zealot on the in the group we got people who have never wanted to hang out with each other at all that Jesus pointed at and said come follow me and now they're all together and they realize i don't know if i really actually like you i don't know if i want to be around you but at the end of the day i don't have a choice cuz i said i would follow him do i need to see any, say anything else about that right now Just look around the room. That's all of us. I don't know. (laughs) If I like you, I don't know if you like me. We're not the same. You know, the disciples didn't say, hey, you know, once in a while Jesus picked a brother up along the way as well, but they didn't really say, hey, Jesus, wait, can we go get all the people that are like me? I want all the people that like me to be with you too. Well, that's part of the story too, but you don't get to pick and choose who Jesus calls. We don't get to pick and choose who Jesus calls us to follow him with because our job, simple, follow Jesus. I don't think I need to say anything else about that. At the end of the day, the people around us matter, 
But the reason we're here is for him. He is our reward. He is the prize. He is the pearl of great price. I don't like the smell of clams, but I like pearls. I want to find Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. And once in a while, you're going to find Jesus in your neighbor. you find Jesus in that person that's not like you. You're going to find Jesus when you crack open that smelly shell. You'll find Jesus. I'll close with this. Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, we'll replace that with, whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can you give anyone in, in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Uh, this is the call to follow Jesus. We leave it all behind to follow him. Every day of our life is a choice to say yes to Jesus. Let's stand together. Justin, can you come, if you will? We're going to um, conclude here. We're going to wrap up. There's nothing better than Jesus. This is the divine exchange. Some call it the greater, great exchange. If all you saw in that passage I just read is that like, oh, I have to take up my, my cross and deny myself, you missed the point. The point is Jesus. Yeah, you can, you can give up your life in this age, but what do you get? Jesus. What do you get? Eternity with Jesus. Guys, the scales are not balanced. <laughs> it's not a, oh, you know, i got to grip my teeth and bear it to follow. It's the greatest deal the universe has ever known. <laughs> I give up being God, and I get all of God. That's a really, really good deal, because he's really, really good, and he's so worth it, and he's not a liar. He wasn't dangling a stick out there like, oh, come on, I'm just going to, you know, trap you. He's not an entrapment kind of guy. It was an invitation to what he calls the abundant life, and you know that. Many of you know that, but if you're like, my life doesn't feel abundant, I just want to remind you follow Jesus. It's not a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. Will we choose to follow him today? Let's pray and wrap up. Jesus, we thank you that you come after us, that you've called us to yourself, that you've offered us an, an inexpressible and glorious joy in following you. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to return to the true center of knowing you and following you, God. And in whatever way you're, the, the sword of your word today is speaking truth, let it bring life. God, in whatever way the sword of your word is speaking truth to everyone in this room, let it bring the abundance of life. The abundance of your counsel would bring life today. Give us willing hearts to receive and needs to bow before your leadership again and again. Jesus, we just say that you are the prize. You are the reward, and there's nothing better in this life 
or in the age to come than knowing you. There's nothing worth more to us than you and you alone, Jesus. Just take a moment and respond to the Lord right now if you would. And even if you want to speak to him, close your eyes and speak to him. I want to make a challenge as you do, though. I want to make an invitation. That's what it is, an invitation. Maybe you just need to re-up. You need to say, Jesus, today I want to follow you. Or maybe you've never taken the opportunity to actually tell him that. Maybe you called yourself a Christian. You've believed the right things, but really laying down your life to follow him is not something you've ever really done. I want to make an invitation for you to follow Jesus starting right now. To leave your life of yourself behind and say yes to following him.